0: Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I want to invite you this morning to open up your Bibles with me to the book of John. We're going to go to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at a couple of verses of scripture here. Uh, We're in a series entitled, I Think I Heard from God, and we're talking about how to hear the voice of our Father. How many of you believe that God, our Heavenly Father, wants to speak to His children? Uh, That God does not want to be an absentee father, that God wants to be very real to you and to call you by name and to guide you with his voice through life, to lead, guide you, show you things to come, all of those wonderful things. And so that's what we're talking about in this series. And before we dive into the word of God, I just want to thank everyone here at this church, online, and all over the world for your amazing generosity to this ministry in this season. Of course, all of you know when you give to Word of Life, it's always twice sown seed. In fact, there are months where we give far more than we save or spend. And it's just a heart that we have for missions and a heart that we have for the world. And out of that, uh, this week, on top of our normal giving as an offering... Uh, you guys gave $10,000 to disaster relief in Lebanon for all that is going on in that nation through our missionaries, Matt and Julie Beamer. Yeah, that's, it's amazing uh, what you guys have done. Uh, $10,000 to Matt and Julie Beamer, and we're looking to send more. They're raising a total of 100000 I think already 60000 has come in, and we'll, we'll make sure they get to that $100,000 mark. And then also, many of you know, if you live in the Jackson metro area, I know we have people watching from many different places, but if you live in the Jackson metro area, you know that JPS is doing virtual learning and virtual school um, in the the city of Jackson and across that region. And one of the big issues that they have there is, of course, about 42% of Jackson households do not have internet. Uh, So that makes virtual learning very hard. And then to have the technology and the capacity to log into the internet once it's there presents logistical challenges. And so we as a church working with the school systems, Comcast, and others are doing our part to meet the needs of our community. Because how many of you know we should have a vision for the world, but we shouldn't lose track of right here at home, that right here at home, uh, there's opportunities for outreach and the love of Jesus. And the church ought to be the the lead instrument of social change in our communities. Anyway, uh, so we are, as a church, taking 50 households, getting them all computers and internet access for six months, and we'll go even further than that working with JPS to target those families and to make sure families have computers and working internet. And we're helping them find coaches who can come in and teach them how to use the computer so that virtual learning can kick in smoother and faster and all of those things. So you guys did all of that as well as a church. So I want to thank you for your radical generosity. Uh, to this church, and somebody says, well, I wish I could have done something for the people in Lebanon. You did when you gave to Word of Life. Somebody says, I wish we could help out with with what's going on in JPS. You can, but you also did by giving to Word of Life, and I just want to say thank you for your radical generosity. Uh, So I had a message all written out uh, for this weekend, and last night, I just sat down for a devotional for myself and began reading John chapter 4, And I saw so much in John chapter 4 and enjoyed it so much for myself. How many of you know every chef ought to eat his or her own cooking? Uh, And I enjoyed it so much for myself, I just decided, why not? I'm going to teach it to you this morning. So in John chapter 4, we see that Jesus and his disciples have begun baptizing people. Where there was a ministry that was already baptizing people by the name of John the Baptist. And they come to John in John chapter 3, and they tell him that now this ministry, being Jesus, is now more effective than your ministry, Uh, that he is actually baptizing more than you. Isn't it amazing how we compare things like that? It's really sad. And anyway, they come to, to discourage John with this news that, like, this ministry came after you, and now it's bigger than you. And of course, this is where John gives his famous line of, I must decrease so that he must increase, that no man can receive anything from the Lord except the Lord gives it to him. Well, Jesus hears this. And when Jesus hears this in John chapter 4, he makes a decision to leave, where, where there's not this competition, where there's not this division. Satan is always trying to work separation, And Jesus will not tolerate it. So he gets up to move, but in in the process of, of moving, we know that Jesus said, I do nothing unless my heavenly Father shows it to me. Unless I see him show it to me, or unless I hear him say it to me, I don't do anything, and I don't say anything that the heavenly Father does not reveal to me. And so on his way from moving from Galilee up to Judea and that kind of region, normally the children of Israel and the Jewish people would walk a couple of extra miles out of the way to avoid this community called Samaria. Samaria were a group of people who had a Jewish background but just did things a little differently. They looked a little differently. They worshiped a little differently. And out of those differences, it created separation in the community And the separation got so strong that the Samaritans didn't have anything to do with the Jews, and the Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans, and the Jews thought that the Samaritans hated them, and the Samaritans thought that the Jews hated them, and so everyone would just kind of avoid the issue, kind of skip around the issue, walk around the issue. And Jesus comes and says something very interesting in John chapter 4 and verse 4. Let's look at it. John 4 and verse 4. It says, and he must, needs, go through Samaria. Jesus utters this phrase, I must go through Samaria. I need to go through Samaria I love how God wanted him to confront this division, how God wanted him to confront this separation. I love how God wanted to not only show love to the Samaritans, but he wanted the Jewish men who were walking with Jesus to see this division needed to be obliterated, that this separation needed to be obliterated, that things needed to change out of this situation and we can't walk around it anymore, we can't skip by it anymore, we can't act like it doesn't exist anymore, we need to walk right through it, we need to tear down these walls and we need revival in Samaria. Because how many of you know, if you were Satan, the one way that you would hurt the heart of God because he hates God. He hates him. And what better way to hurt God than to hurt his kids? And what better way to hurt his kids than to make his kids hurt his kids? And so from the, the day, from original sin, you've always seen Cain, the spirit of Cain come in and begin to tear apart the family of God to make one person not understand that he is his brother's keeper even if his brother is different from him to rise up and to hurt, to be a herder and not a healer, to be a divider and not a healer, to be a fighter and not a lover, to be a man of war instead of a man of peace. And here we see Jesus saying, I must, need, go through Samaria. And there's all of these reasons as to why, but there's also a community there who needs Jesus Most notably, a hurting woman at a well. Now, what I want to major on, because we're teaching how to hear from God, is this phrase, I must, need, go through Samaria. Oftentimes, when we say, I heard from God, we think like God spoke a sentence. Or or we think like, okay, you say you heard from God, was there like a voice? Was it like a sentence? Was it a prophecy? And all of those things can happen. But primarily, when you think about hearing from God, it's more of a witness than a word. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you're not taking notes, you can write that down. It's more of a witness than a word. Uh, It's not like, Jesus, go through Samaria today. It is just prompting. It is this stirring. It is this perception. It is this knowing. I have to walk in this direction. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, it, it, it talks about this. And I never saw this scripture in this light until this series. I, I was praying and got to this scripture and I was shutting it out. And I saw something I never saw before before out of this. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder or apart, we would say, of the soul, which is your mind, and your spirit, which is your heart. Not your physical heart, your center, your belly, the heart of the matter, and spirit, and of the joints, and you can keep it right there, and of the joints and marrow of the heart. Now, Now, notice, for the word of God. Now, here's how most of the time this scripture is taught, and there's an element of truth to that, but that's not the truth that the Holy Spirit is trying to convey in that verse. The element of truth that is taught from this is that when you pick up the word of God, it begins to train you on how to understand the difference between your soul and your spirit. Now, a a lot of times, and I get this a lot as a pastor, it's like, when God speaks to me, how do I know if it's God or me? Like, when God speaks to me, how how do I know if that's God or that's me? And how this scripture is taught is, if you pick up this enough, it will train you on the voice of God. And I've taught it this way before, like, if, if you talk to me all the time, And I was in the mall with you uh, or, you know, in a park with you in the age of social distancing. And I was in a park with you. And I, I called your name. If you had listened to me all the time without even seeing me, you would know, oh, that's Joel. Because you've heard me long enough that now my voice has become discernible to you. And it's true. The word of God, this, it is God speaking to you. And we must esteem this, and it most definitely will train you how to understand the voice of God. The issue with interpreting this scripture that way, though, is that word, word. The word of God is quick and powerful. Now, if that in the Greek was the word logos, it would mean the written word of God. But that's not what that word means. This word means the spoken word of God And if you think about it, it would have to mean that, because how many of you know Hebrews was not a part of the Bible yet when he wrote that? He's writing a letter. It had not been added to the canon of Scripture yet. The Word of God, meaning when God speaks to you, when God deals with you, when God puts something on your heart, here's how you know it's God. It's quick. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It will pierce even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. Uh, A week ago, me and my wife had a disagreement. Any of you couples ever have a disagreement? Come on now, you're in church, you can't lie. Right? Okay, so you ever had a disagreement? It's rare for us. Like, we genuinely, we're just a fit and have been from day one. So we don't, uh, you know, see things differently too much. Uh, But there was one issue with our our youngest son, who's on the front row today. And my my oldest son and youngest son are here at this campus today. And my youngest son, pay attention, boys. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, So my youngest son uh, is um, um, seven, And out of this, his mom, he's the youngest, so you treat the youngest a little. How many of you you have more than two kids? Okay, so you understand what I'm saying. Isn't it true, like, for the youngest, they just operate by a whole different set of rules. It's like, oh, they'll get it. They'll be fine. They'll learn to walk. Oh, they'll figure out talking. Like, all of those types of things. It's like, all the rules just go out the window. Uh, And anyway, so for the youngest, you know, you still want to keep them, like, you know, like, Young, because you, we just love child training and those types of things. So out of that, we come to agreement with most of those things. Besides, one thing really bothered me for like three years, and it was always kind of a source of contention between me and my wife, and that was she would put on him baby lotion. Uh, now, like, so he comes out of the shower. It's like, did you put on your lotion? And I'm like, come on, I, like, I like, I can appreciate, but it's a pink bottle and it has baby lotion written right on it. And I'm like, there's just something wrong. So as he would get older, it was no longer like uh, my wife putting it on him. He would put it on him. So he gets out of the shower and like pumps some lotion, gets it in his hands, and it's like rubbing it all over his body. I'm like, I don't, I just, I, just, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I just, I just, I, I don't know. Like, there's just something about this that like i don't know and so i would come to my wife and i'm like this is this necessary like can can we talk like like let's maybe upgrade the lotion like like let like, like let's get like some some like lotion okay we'll we can debate that but like can we like get a different type of, of lotion like can we we do and, and i never won and it would be one thing that she was strong on and i'm like you know what we'll just learn to disagree Uh, And function, okay. Uh, And so anyway, our bathroom has been in this continuous state of remodel. Because we had a Disney vacation plan for this summer, but that didn't work out. And so we took the money that we were going to spend on that and just decided to redo our bathroom. So it's like, kids, it's time for your vacation. Go take a bath. Uh, So anyway, uh, so we're we're building out this this bathroom. And uh, out of it, our bathroom was out of commission. So we're using everybody else's bath. And my, my youngest son is, you know, hopping out of the shower because that's where he showers and, you know, we don't have our shower in operation. And I see him there having the lotion, Squirt, 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 rub it in his hands all over his body. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. So I come to my son, and I'm like, let's, let's look at something, son, because he's learning how to read. He's seven. And so I'm like, let's, let's, let's see hooked on phonics if it worked for you. Uh, so like, I'm like, what does that word say? And he looks at it, and he's reading it, and I'm like, what the what that? And he's like, baby? I'm like, yes, baby. I said, are you a baby? He said, no, I'm not a baby, I'm a big boy. I'm like, exactly, yes you are. And and he said, do you wear it? I'm like, nope. He's like, does Boston wear it? I said, nope. He said, then why do I wear it? I'm like, because your mama likes it on you. That's why you're still wearing this lotion. And then he tells me this. He's like, well, he says this a lot. Well, I guess mama is more important than lotion. In that suite, And I'm like, you're right, buddy. You taught me a lot today as a husband and as a man. You're right. Your mama is more important than this lotion. So about, you know, he puts on his clothes. And about three minutes later, he looks at me. He's like, but dad, I still don't want to wear it. He's like, I'm going to tell mom. I'm like, don't you go there. Like, let me have this conversation. So I go go to my wife and I'm like, look, we've got to talk. And she's like, okay. What, what is it about? You know, she's getting dressed. I'm like, Ben has made up his mind. He was reading the bottle. Like, I didn't tell her it was solicited. Uh, so he's reading the bo- bottle and saw baby lotion. And he said, I'm not a baby. And he said, you know, he doesn't want to wear it anymore. And she's like, did you tell him? I'm like, well. It's a Sunday, too. This was on a Sunday morning before church. This was, I'm like, well kind of. And so she's like, I can't believe you. You know how much this means to me. And so we start talking. I'm like, look, it's just one of those things where he's going to have to grow out of it. And, you know, anyway, source of division, dividing asunder. And so we get in the car and on the way to church, I'm like, are you still mad? Crickets on the other end, like crickets on the other end. I'm like, father, as we get in worship, just let the presence of Jesus transform her, touch your heart. I'm not the Holy Spirit you are. And I just thank you, Father, uh, for like showing her the light. Uh, and we get in service. And after service, you know, I walk back to the room and I thought, surely like the presence of Jesus is like, uh, and I can tell, I'm like, are you still upset? Like this is in front of everyone in the back room. I'm like, are you still upset? She's like, you know how much that meant to me. And I'm like, I know, I know. So anyway, we're good now. But and, yeah, I, I say that to say, if you've ever had that, in marriage, how many of you know? No one has to say anything. You can sense the division. You 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 don't have to be. You can be newlywed and sense the division. You 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 can be in a relationship, and when you know there is something that has come up that has separated this from this, you can sense that. You can perceive that. You can understand that. And the writer of Hebrews says this, when God speaks to you, when God speaks to you, it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a sword, and it separates the soul from the spirit. There is a division there. There is a separation there. There is, you can put it this way, a tension there. Say this with me say, pay attention to the tension. Come on, Highland, say, say it with me say, pay attention to the tension. When God speaks to you, it creates a tension. I must, I must go through Samaria. He's being led by God, but it's not God spoke to him. He's being led by God. Jesus said, I don't do anything without God telling me to do it. He's being led by God, but it's not like three dozen angels speaking on the out saying, this is the way you should go. Like it's like a sense on the inside, I must do this. A sense on the inside, I need to do this. I was in Louisiana this week, Vidalia, Louisiana. Anybody from Vidalia, Louisiana? Any, anybody? Come? Nobody. Okay. Yeah. One, one hand back there. I see you, Vidalia. Nice. It's on the other side of the Mississippi River across the way from Natchez. And I went down there for a church. There's a church there that is uh, becoming a part of, you know, our network and uh, that kind of thing. And we're going to help them, you know, do church. And anyway, um, I went down there to, like, develop our relationship further and that kind of thing, took some friends, and uh, we're we're down there, and we're, we're going to their house before we go to dinner, and we're sitting in their house, and we're just talking church, and this pastor was talking about how a couple of years ago, they had come into a financial need where they needed $487, I believe it was. And it was one of those things where, you know, sometimes as men, you try to hide like how bad the need really is because you don't want the rest of the family stressing out about it uh, and those types of things. So you're kind of handling it internally as long as you can until you realize like, okay, everybody's about to find out about it. (laughs) And so like two days before everybody would kind of find out about it, he comes to his wife and he's like, look, I'm in faith and I'm believing. And he said, I've been praying about this, but like we... We need $487. And he's like, it's it's a legitimate need. And so they touched in in prayer and agreed that, that God would meet the need. Well, he said the next day, he gets a phone call from a gentleman. And the guy on the other end of the phone said, hey, you know, last night, I couldn't quit thinking about you. I didn't understand why I was thinking about you. For the word of the Lord, it's quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, it divides the soul from the spirit. It's like, I shouldn't be thinking about you, but I'm thinking about you. A division. A tension. And in this moment, it's like, I could not get you off my mind. And the more I began to pray about it, we said this last week you sow the seed of talking to God, you'll reap the harvest of God talking to you. I started praying about it, and I just felt like I'm supposed to give you something. Can I come by your house? It's like, well, yeah. So he comes by the house, knocks on the door, he opens it up, and he says, I'm telling you, I just could not get this off of my heart. Not a sentence. Not like God spoke to him and said, Do this at this time. Just a sense, a knowing, a tension on the end. I must do this. And he hands him a check. He opens up the check and it's a check for $500. Come on, somebody. Like, God, whoo, God is amazing. And he's real. And of course, for this couple, it was like this big movement moment and like this big kind of thing that happened in their life. But how many of you know if you've ever been on the other side of that? The joy that you get from doing that. <laughs> the joy of knowing you heard from God. The joy of knowing like God, you, there is, listen to me, nothing greater in all the world. Then to know, you heard from God. Jesus sits down with this woman at this well. He walks up. He's tired. This is one of the things when you read John chapter 4, you can read it for homework. He comes to this, this well, and he's tired from his journey. Here you see the humanity of Jesus, that he had flesh like we had flesh, and that flesh got tired, and he sits down. It's okay to be tired. And he sits down at this well, and he's there, and it's, 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 it's here, and his disciples look at him and he says, look, we'll go get you something to eat. You just sit at this well. We'll go get you something. So they run off to go get food. And a woman walks up to this well, and she, she comes, and Jesus says, would you give me a little bit to drink? And she's shocked because she's like, Jews don't talk to Samaritans, and in that culture, men definitely don't talk to women like that. And so she's blown away by all this, and so she dips down to go get some water, and she's drawing it up. And while she's drawing it up, Jesus says, he said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for water, and I would give you water that would spring up in you, living water that would spring up in you. Remember, we said this last week, when God speaks to me, I need to look to the inside and not the Outside, I need to be more God inside minded. Jesus said, The water that I'll give you, it'll spring up from the inside. The the life that I give you, it'll spring up from the inside. And then, without her even knowing what is going on, he begins to show her exactly what he means. He looks at this woman and he says, Do you have a husband? She said, I'm not married. He said, You said, right, you're not married. You're with a man right now who's not your husband and you've been married four times before him. What is this? He's hearing from God. Jesus is hearing from God right in the, the presence of this woman and it begins to, to have an effect on her. It skips past religion and becomes relationship. It, it skips past fake and plastic and Instagram picture worthy and becomes authentic and becomes real and becomes tangible. God is seeing her. God is walking with her. God is with her. Can we get back to that? And she starts having this encounter with Jesus where Jesus is hearing from God and speaking to her on this very personal level. whole while she's looking in in big old wells of love in Jesus's eyes, and she's seeing a man who knew all she ever did, every wrong, and still loved her. How many of you know God knows everything that you ever did? How many of you know that God knows everything that you ever did? He knows every thought you ever did. He knows every sin you have ever committed. He knows everything that you ever did. And guess what? He still loves you. You're still the apple of his eye. He must need come to wherever you're at. And show you he loves you. And this woman is so blown away by Jesus that she makes the decision to go tell her entire community about him. And Jesus is here in this moment. She's left. The disciples come up. And watch what happens here in the book of John. John chapter 4, verse number 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. Eat. But he said unto them, I have meat that you know not of. See, so many times we live for a full life. Jesus said, I live for an empty life so that God can fill it up. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for they will be given food. They will be given drink. We can't stand not having something to do. So as soon as life gets empty, we fill it. And God is saying, could you get empty for a minute? Could you turn off the television for a minute? Could, could you put the fork down for a minute? Could you turn off the computer for a minute? Could you get a little empty? Because if you could get a little empty, you would get a little full. There is meat that you know not of, substance that you know not of. Don't strive for full, strive for empty. Carve out time in Jesus said, I have meat. And this was so sad to me that you know not of. They didn't know of this life. How many Christians don't know of this life of being able to hear from God? They didn't know of this life. This is the whole point of this series is to show you this kind of life is available. I have meat that you know not of. Verse 33, therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him something to eat? And Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Notice Jesus' paradigm. I was sent here. To do the will of him that sent me. That, that my wish is not for God to do my will. His will has become my wish. That, that my prayer is not, God, would you do what I want you to do? My prayer is, God, would you show me what you want me to do? That, that God, you don't exist to perform my wish. I exist to perform your will. So, Father, let me empty my life and let me discover what your will is because I know something and here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know on the balcony. Here's what I want you to know on CBS. Here's what I want you to know at Highland Colony. Here's what I want you to know on Facebook. You were sent here by God. You were sent here by God to accomplish something, to do something. And the Holy Spirit wants to show that to you and lead and guide you. And he said, look, the substance that I get, the joy that I get is not with the possession or a thing. The joy that I get is to hear and obey the voice of the Father. Uh, I, I had something in my life that meant probably more to me than it should. You ever had something in your life that meant more to you than it should? Maybe it's like a car. Or I don't know. For me, it was a watch. Uh, when my father passed away when I was 17... I began looking for things that I could have of His that I could give to my sons. Something, physical objects that I could hold on to. And there weren't just a ton of things. Things that would last, you know, decades and generations. There there weren't things that would hold up. And so one of the things that I always wanted was a watch for every 10 years of ministry. So I'm 18 years in of pastoring. And for my 10th year of ministry, my wife said, is there anything that you'd want? And I said, look, what I'd actually like is a nice watch. And I said, the reason why, and this is the truth, why I wanted the watch is not because I want a nice watch. It's because I want something to hand my boys. And then they could put it on the wrist of of their grandfather and pass it to their boys and be like your grandfather wore this something that would hold value something that would have worth where it's passed from generation to generation and in my mind i thought you know that would be cool to have every 10 years something that i didn't buy but something if other people wanted to get it to to give that this would be something that would mean something because i'm sentimental I, i could care less about stuff but there's a side to me that's very sentimental and so people got in and bought me a watch, engraved on it ten years. And my wife said, "We gotta engrave it or else he'll probably give it away," which is true. So there have been several times of having it. I'm like, "Is, this, is it? Are you celebrating something for ten years?" <laughs> like that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, so but I, in the process of this remodel, I wore it one day, and I maybe in the span of ten years, I have maybe worn this watch maybe hundred times because it's not for me. I always wanted to give it away, but to my grandsons and to their kids. Anyway, so in the process, I put it on, and while wearing it, I had a witness, a knowing. I need to put that up somewhere. I just knew it. I need to put that up somewhere. And I didn't follow it. I didn't pay attention to the tension that divide between soul and spirit because instead of, like, the spirit closing the gap with my soul, my soul reasoned out why I didn't have to follow the witness. It's like, oh, it'll be fine. And sure enough, it went missing. I don't know if I lost it. I don't know if someone stole it, but it went missing. And, like, it emotionally for me, I was shocked at how much it meant to me Not because it was expensive, but it's like, no, 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 that's not for me. Like, that's for the generation that comes after me. And so I went through and I was looking for it and couldn't find it. Still haven't found it. And last Sunday, I was worshiping in the middle of worship. And during worshiping, because you sow the seed of talking to God, you reap the harvest of God talking to you. During worship, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted and worshipped, God spoke to them in Acts chapter 13. In worship, I'm just telling the Lord how much I love Him. And a scripture comes to my remembrance. A pressing of a scripture comes to my remembrance. Set not your affections on things on the earth. Where where rust and things can distract them. Where thieves can break in and steal. But set your affections on things that are above. And immediately the Lord began to deal with my heart. Not a sentence, but to deal with my heart. You have been so focused on natural things that you want to give your children. And like with these types of objects that you want to have, under the premise of thinking like your father didn't have many items like that, that could be passed from generation to generation. He said, out of that, what you have not seen is all of the spiritual things that absolutely have brought you more joy than any of those natural things. And as soon as he said it, I can remember walking in at my house as a young boy and hearing my parents just singing to the Lord. Walking in uh, with, with, with my book bag and laying it down on the, the ground with my dad on a sofa, an acoustic guitar, just singing a new song to the Lord Jesus. I can remember being at at restaurants where my father would get a word of the Lord for a waitress. or My mother would have it on her heart to pray for someone, cut a check for exactly what they needed financially because there was a tension sitting at that meal that this is more than a waitress. This is a moment where God wants to intervene in someone's life. This is a moment where God wants to go through Samaria. This is a moment where I have to do it, where I've got to buy it, where I've got to show the goodness of God. And they paid attention to that tension. And they gave me a legacy of faith that craves the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I'm coming to this place in my life where I want this more than I want anything like I to hear from God to know you've heard from God to walk with the Lord Jesus in intimacy to not make him have to prick and prod us over into obedience but just a little nudge just a little touch and it's like God I exist to perform your will my need is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work that he has given me and I want you to crave that Because I love the end of this story. Let's read it and we'll sing. I love the end of this story. In verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would stay with them. He abode there two days. And many more believed because of, notice, his own word. And said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And this is indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. And I know that many of you in this room, the reason why you, and many of you watching online, and many of you at Highland Colony, the reason why you believe on Jesus is because you heard a pastor tell you about Jesus. Jesus. The reason why you believe on Jesus is because your mama told you about Jesus or your grandmother told you about Jesus or you saw a television preacher tell you about Jesus. And that's a good reason to come to Jesus. But did you know what? Jesus doesn't want you just hearing about him from somebody else. Jesus doesn't want you to just have a favorite television preacher who opens up scripture to you. Jesus says, here's what I want. You can come to me because you heard about me from someone else. But the reason why I want you walking with me is you have heard me call you by name that you now believe on me not because someone else told you what I said but now I'm speaking directly to your heart oh come on church how many of you know God wants to guide us he wants to speak to us he wants to be real to us and we're standing at the door of someone's house with $500 because they prayed and asked Jesus for $487 last night, but God didn't give them $487 because he's a God who's exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think that a risen king still exists today. And you know what? He wants to be real to you. He wants to be real to us. That the Holy Spirit wants to instruct us and guide us. And I want you to just open up your life where we just quit caring about all this other stuff that God wants to just lay beside us and say, I haven't meat you known not of. And for some of you, it's a meal you had not eaten in a while. And we empty ourselves and we say, you know what we want? We want to hear from God. You know, I, want, I want to be led by God. I want to meet somebody's needs in this season. And I'm not just talking about financial needs. I want to get a word for a woman at the well. I want to get a word for a neighbor. And they say, how did you know I was doing that? And the Lord, and you, you're able to tell them, it wasn't me who knew. I went spying on you or Facebook stalking you. The reason why I knew this is there's a Jesus I met at a well myself a couple of years ago. And there's a Jesus who sees you even right now. And all of a sudden, they come to believe in Jesus because of what you said. But then they walk with him enough where they begin to hear him for themselves. What a world we could live in if we could just be a little bit emptier. If we could just care about all this stuff a little bit less and to begin to crave and say I have need, I need to eat I need to eat, I need to eat I need to to hear from God I need a word from Jesus I want a prophecy I want a word of wisdom I want a word of knowledge I want God to be real not just to me but to all of Samaria all of Jackson all of the world like I want Jesus to be real to me let's be a generation that contends for that let's be a church that contends for that and for those of us who are parents what if we could leave that for our children you might not have a watch that you can put on your wrist but you got a mommy and a daddy who knows Jesus and who is not perfect but who is led by the spirit of God and I want to give you that gift. What a world it would be. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We love you. We honor you. This is the day you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, I just thank you that all over the world, on CBS, on Facebook, Highland Colony, in this room, that your Holy Spirit begins to call each one of us by name. If you're here at Lakeland, there at Highland Colony, or you're watching on Facebook, and today you say, I want to make a decision for Jesus. The very first leading the Holy Spirit will ever give you, the very first tension the Holy Spirit will ever give you, is a knowing in your heart, I need to surrender to Jesus. It's a knowing in your heart that I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. It's a knowing in your heart that Jesus wants to walk with you and talk with you. And maybe you're getting that for the very first time today. Or maybe some of you, like the prodigal, have gone astray. And you say, today I want to come back home. I've been eating every other meal, and I'm still hungry. I've been consuming everything else, and I'm still hungry. There's a a longing in my soul that's not being filled through entertainment or all of this sin or whatever it is. I know I need Jesus, and I want to surrender my life to Him. And there's a witness there. There's a tension there. There's a knowing, I must do this today. If that's you, wherever you're at, if that's you, the Holy Spirit is guiding you right now. You say, I want to give this to Jesus. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to come to Jesus. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you're home, no one's watching you right now, but the Lord is. Highland Colony, no one's looking right now, but the Lord is. If you're here at either one of those places and you say, Pastor Joel, I want to make a decision for Jesus today. I want to draw near to him. Right now, wherever you're at, I want you to do something. I want you to lift your hand and surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, God, I put my life in your hands. I put my marriage in your hands. I put my future in your hands. Hands going up all over here at Lakeland, Highland Colony, same thing at home. Feel free to lift up in your hands to the Lord and just say, God, I need you in this season. Now, everybody in here, let's pray. And right after we pray, we're going to worship and we're going to shout to the Lord. I invite you to stand and worship with us. Let me pray for you. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear heavenly father, I believe Jesus sees all I ever did and still loves me. Every sin every pain, every mistake, Jesus saw it and he still loves me. And I thank you, Father. I received that love. Though my sins were red like scarlet, the blood of Jesus has washed me whiter than snow. I receive you, Jesus. I surrender to you, Jesus. My past, it is over. And my new days, they are starting. I thank you, Lord. Your hand is upon me. Your grace surrounds me. And your power forever goes before me. In Jesus' name, amen.